Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, week three positional rankings. If you want to find the entire list of the rankings, which are a malleable document, they get updated as new information breaks throughout the week. Of course, this is a Tuesday by the time Thursday comes around and they get updated. You know, there could be guys shuffling positions a little bit because of injury or potential suspensions. Hit the comment section or description of this podcast or video and you can find the link directly to them. Also, a bunch of shows coming out throughout the week. So you want to subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. If you do that, subscribe to it and download all the episodes because we're in a race for five or sorry, five. Jeez, we already blew that out of the water. 15 million <laughs> downloads and listens for the 2019 calendar year. Uh, if you leave a five star review, DraftKings handle and something nice you, you like about the show, you'll be in a draw for 20 DK dollars, just as you will. If you smash the like button for this video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me your favorite buy low player in all of fantasy heading into week three after two weeks i was going to do this is why i did the two if you're watching the video part of it and i meant to do the three then i had to change what i was talking about halfway through the winners are announced every monday live 1 p.m eastern time on the nfl recap and waiver wire show on the DraftKings youtube channel and the facebook channel at the PME. Make sure to check those out. I also want to let everyone know the link to the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League is in the comment section and description of this show. 4,000 entries, over $60,000 guaranteed, $15 to enter, three max entry, and the best news, which makes it the best tournament on DraftKings. No rake. You min cash, you double your money. People say, people say it is the best tournament on DraftKings, okay? So you make sure you go play that. It fills up super quickly, so go reserve your spot right now, even if you're not interested in filling out a lineup. Me, Cust, and Jeff will have the spread show Monday morning, DraftKings show Wednesday night with Joe Holka this week, then we'll have Meanie in the dock, and we'll be live again on Sunday. All that fun stuff, and all the golf picks are. I've been hot fire, at least for one week of golf, so you might want to go check that out as well. I think that's everything. Let's bring him in. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com. Your rankings come out at midnight on tuesday so people probably want to go check that out if they like non-ppr half point ppr or full point ppr if they're looking for that kind of thing but tell everyone about this new podcast yeah <laughs> what is this my fifth sixth podcast or whatever it's the best one yet it's, it's so terrific is uh yes d'angelo williams and myself i noticed i put his name first because it's to be honest with D'Angelo Williams, and they don't even say my name. I don't even say my name until I come on the show. But it is D'Angelo Williams and me that we're going to be doing a podcast every single week. Start comes out on Wednesdays, and it's going to be his takes on sports, mostly football, but his takes on everything. And it's just as if you've ever seen him on Twitter when he does his little hashtag petty. He tells it exactly like how he thinks it is, and that's kind of the fun of it. It's really insightful because it's what you want the players to do. You want the players to tell us what they really feel and what they really think, and you always get the coach speak and the, you know, oh, we're just out there giving 110%. We're all great teammates. Like we just talked about the show coming out tomorrow. He said the whole talk about we're all, the Jalen Ramsey stuff, we're all teammates, we're all a team, we're all a family. He's like, it's bullshit. That's what he said. See, I mean, just by hearing what Jalen Ramsey says, I mean, you could probably draw that conclusion. I'm glad he's out there saying it, though. Someone needs to say it that has actively been in the league. It can't just be me and you, some losers on the <laughs> Internet. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I asked him today, too, the sneak preview for the show. People can tune in to listen. I asked him when you have the young quarterback like a Mason Rudolph coming in, do the things we assume of like he likes his tight ends or the checkdowns or the slots or the guy he's been practicing with. Are all those things true or what's really going on in the locker room? And what does it really mean for the quarterback? It's like that kind of thing is like you said, who's better to answer than the guy who's actually played the game. 
All right, let's jump into the running back rankings to kick this off. Full point PPR. Again, you can find the entire list in the description or comment section of this video or podcast if you want to go position by position. And again, these will change based on new information. Here is the injury report that I got going on right now. Questionable. So in the rankings... For the moment, I got Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Devin Singletary, James Conner, Josh Jacobs, and Dontrell Hilliard out. I have Tevin Coleman. So the rankings, number one, Ezekiel Elliott in a primo matchup. He might not even play the entire game against the Dolphins at home, but it really shouldn't matter if they score 800 points. So he's number one, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, Austin Eckler, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, Le'Veon Bell, Elvin Kamara. That goes into Derrick Henry on Thursday night. Marlon Mack, James Conner, Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson. Fantasy Pros has ranked Mark Ingram number 17 this week. Josh Jacobs, Damian Williams, and Sony Michelle at home against the New York Jets as over 20-point favorites. Of that top 20, Jake, does anyone seem initially just out of place to you? Mm, I'd say maybe a little low on Aaron Jones, and I'm not the biggest Aaron Jones guy, but it's a, it's not a great matchup. It's a solid top 20. I think that we would just be nitpicking between the guys, and James Conner maybe if he's 100% healthy, but we still have time to find that out. Again, this is kind of nitpicky. I think – we're kind of at the point already in week three where you kind of feel like the top 15, almost top 20 are almost set now. Yeah. One of the biggest questions I had this week, which absolutely blew my mind. And maybe we can talk about this more in the wide receiver section as it pertains to Cam Newton, but he is now like a legit iffy play this week to actually suit up in Arizona. Do you think that will really hurt Christian McCaffrey? Cause I've been getting questions after, you know, a dismal performance last week on Thursday night. Like, do I bench Christian McCaffrey? Like the answer is no, you don't bench Christian McCaffrey, but if it's not Cam Newton under center, how do you think his stats might morph? Cause last year, didn't really make a difference. No, it didn't. And if you're looking at the backups, um, probably maybe Will Greer, who they drafted, although Allen, Kyle Allen's there too. I don't know who they turn to, but this is one of those situations. We just talked about what the D'Angelo Williams situation in the show is you probably will look at the fact of who he's going to trust in this offense. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Greg Olson. And the real truth is going to come down to if that quarterback checks down as much as Cam Newton does or uses Christian McCaffrey as much as he does. But the truth is, is even if not, we can all assume and make the, look, what are you going to do if you have an experienced quarterback under center? You're going to turn around and hand it off a little bit more. So if Christian McCaffrey doesn't see quite as many check downs, he might see an increased workload of rushes. And I don't worry about stack the box thing because that's something even Emory Hunt, the scout that we had that writes for over at the Athletic, has said time and time again, he's a running back. He's a former running back. I didn't make it to the NFL, but he's saying the whole stack box thing is always overrated because all you got to do as a running back, if you're talented enough, is make one guy miss and you're gone. And Christian McCaffrey is talented enough and this team is good enough around him where I wouldn't be worried about if they were stacking the box the entire game. I think that if we saw that out of, 15 to 20 carries he'd probably bust one off for at least 20 30 yards yeah and that's one thing that we've seen from Arizona so far through two games they basically played eight in the box the entire time against the Lions they did that exact same thing last week against the Ravens just to try to prevent the run now the Lions carry on Johnson's good but he's not like elite level so he got gobbled up and we saw CJ Anderson get gobbled up in week one it's not like the running game outside of Lamar Jackson for the Ravens was able to do much on the ground so for me I would think that we need to go back to passing to Christian McCaffrey getting him in space not to say that he can't beat the eight-man box like you talked about because it just takes one in this situation it's like Odell Beckham it just takes one slant make one guy miss and you're gone for 87 yards and Christian McCaffrey is very much the same way but I was really disheartened with the way that they used him in the passing game last week is it didn't make any sense to me why they weren't throwing to him 
I, I mean, part, part of it at this point has to be our concern with Cam Newton. I mean, injury or not with him being banged up, it's just Cam Newton at this point looks toast. I mean, there's, there's the injury there's, he's not running, which part might be tied to the injury, but whatever the point may be is throwing is the biggest issue. And whether it's checked out of the offenses and getting, you know, any type of momentum going forward, it's just Cam Newton doesn't look like Cam Newton anymore. And I don't know, throwing motion, trying to protect his shoulder, if that's part of it, because there was a whole talk this all season from Chris Robinson uh, or Mike Robinson, who said that they were changing his throwing motion to keep him more compact and that he didn't like how it looked. And then on top of that, would that even carry over? Because how many times did they try to fix Tim Tebow's throwing motion? But it's just like a lot of factors in here where Cam Newton, no matter what way you cut it, doesn't look right. And if he doesn't look right, it's going to affect this offense. To your point, we don't like how he's being used. But I think if anything, we have to come out of that game and say, this team, Rivera's smart enough that if things went that bad, I, I don't assume he's going to go into the next game and say, you know what, everything was fine. Let's give McCaffrey 12 to 14 touches and that's it. Yeah, that would just seem really bizarre. I'm concerned about Cam Newton in the short term, but I don't actually think it's a throwing problem. I don't think it's a shoulder problem. I do really think like they're talking about the foot injury, the foot sprain could lead to re-aggravation. It could lead to a high ankle sprain, anything like that if he takes the hit the wrong way. So for the prospects of I Cam- I think it could be. I, I, say, I, think, just I, I, th- I think it's all a planting motion. The fact that he's not running shows you that he has a severe foot problem. And that's certainly part of it too. But I'm wondering at this point that his shoulder is a hundred percent, but a hundred percent now doesn't mean a hundred percent what it did two or three years ago. Like he's taken so many shots and had so many injuries. And the fact that what a hundred percent now is, is still not the complete shoulder that he used to have. So I understand what you're saying about the planning and all that type of stuff is certainly incorporated, but I also don't think even if the foot was fine, I just don't know that he's the quarterback he used to be. Well, the only thing that would cause concern on what, on all the throws that he made in the Thursday night game is when he short-armed Curtis Samuel on that deep route down the left sideline. Now, Samuel right. still caught it, but if he had hit him in stride, he was gone for a touchdown. The other throws, it's not like he was doing the Matt Castle bounce pass to people. He was just like airmailing <laughs> it, and all the accuracy was off. So that leads me to believe that he's not getting himself set, and he can't drive through the ball, and that's leading to these errant throws. So I think that if he does sit this week, you have have the extended bye week, the mini bye week from Thursday to this week. You give him another week off when he comes back, if the foot can actually heal. If we do find out that it's just a foot sprain, that takes like two to three weeks to heal to get back to 100%. That when we see him in week four, potentially week five, that he should be back to Cam Newton. Like if I have Cam Newton, clearly I'm not starting him this week. We'll find that out when we get to the quarterback rankings. But I'm not dropping him as of yet because we know that if he does start running again, he's probably a top five fantasy quarterback. Hey, it's possibly, but I tell you what, is somebody that we, we've been talking about a long time is if Josh Allen is out there and I only have one spot and can't court, carry two quarterbacks, I'm making the swap. Oh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. But like, if anyone watches this show, there if anyone watches this show and has watched it through the preseason and actually listens to some of the advice, I mean, coming from me, it's, you know, take it with a grain of salt. The one thing so far is that I have Josh Allen as my starting quarterback on every single team. I took him in the last round. That was my advice this year. Now, if you would listen to you, you would have Lamar Jackson, and that would be a lot better for this time, time and place. But, you know, that's an eighth round pick, a ninth round pick. Like, a lot of people out there have Josh Allen, have been using Josh Allen, and realize that he just just is what cam newton used to be yeah that's the comparison we kept making as the truth was he's he is cam newton and has the same accuracy issues that cam newton has has the same what you know how do you fix that you don't bring in the big receivers like the carolina panthers tried to do it, and there's ties to the panthers where they learn you get quicker slot guys so you, people who can get space for the quarterback so when you are inaccurate 
you still have space to make up for it. It's not you're creating jump balls. So you see what they're doing with Josh Allen with Cole Beasley and John Brown and Zay Jones, who was already on the roster and all that type of stuff. And that's why Josh Allen's starting to look a little bit better this year. Who do you have more concern about amongst these top 20 running backs that I have ranked this week? Alvin Kamara with Teddy throws a belt under center. Do you have concern about James Connors knee, Josh Jacobs groin or Chris Carson's fumbling problems? Uh, I, I would probably lean first Chris Carson just because Rashad Penny, we, we've seen the look. There's been a lot of issues with Rashad Penny of his own for health, weight, his own problems on the field. But it's enough talent where you could get a frustrated situation by the head coach, Pete Carroll, who does get frustrated and starts to give Rashad Penny the lead touches. Now, Chris Carson wouldn't completely go away, but all the injury situations like Chris Carson or James Conner sounds like he's okay, obviously. If any of those guys of the first three are severely hurt, and sure, out, yeah, well, let, let, let's just pretend like they are playing this week because they are expected. Everybody's healthy. Play. Yeah, yeah. is the one I'm least concerned about. I don't think anything. Changed. I'm not. I'm not worried at all about Kamara. Well, but there, 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 there is one thing with Kamara, and maybe this is just a result of the game that they were playing, which doesn't really make a ton of sense because Kamara is obviously your better pass catcher. But when Teddy Bridgewater came into the game, they played a lot of two tight end sets with Latavius Murray. And now, is that because of pass protection? Is that because they just didn't trust him to do anything? and maybe a week later that'll be totally changed that'd be my one hesitation that's why i dropped him down to 10 like he's still elvin camara but right. normally he'd be ranked inside the top three right and that's where i'm going to go back to the coaches maybe out thinking themselves mid-game and you just don't hope you hope that that doesn't change anything going forward similar to the christian mccaffrey usage you can't see that going forward like you just can't see the team making that kind of change in course of what's worked so well camara they talked about it the entire offseason he wasn't going to get 20 plus carries or even 25 touches a game, which is fine because he doesn't need to. And he was great in that role. I, again, I know what you're talking about. I'm still not concerned. I, again, I go back to Chris Carson with Rashad Penny there. If he's going to keep fumbling, we know coaches have very little patience for it, especially Pete Carroll. And I could just see him losing the lead work where Chris Carson was involved in the passing game and somebody that was in my top 15 to start this year. Because if you're going to give him last year, the biggest question about his work from last year was just staying healthy. I mean, if you talk about 16 games, what Chris Carson could have done looking like he did last year and getting more passing game work. He had a chance to be a top 10 running back. So the fumbling is the biggest concern. Yeah. I still think that he has a path to be a top 10 running back right now, uh, just based on the fact that he could reclaim the spot that he had in week one. And if you don't put it on the ground this week, all of a sudden you're back. So I'm still willing to rank him as a top 20 guy, because I still believe in that upside. Even when we look at the snap shares from last week, when he actually had to go to the bench, he still played 54% of the snaps and a lot of snaps were eaten up by CJ Prosites in that two-minute drill towards the end of the first half when if they're in a situation where they have to pass, like in two-minute drills, Prosites is going to be the one on the field. However, he didn't get into the mix at all between Penny and Carson as it pertained to like real-life snaps. So if Carson comes out as the starter again in this game, they do run enough, as we know, that they can sustain both of them with one of them being an impact player. As long as Carson continues to get three, four, five targets out of the backfield every week, which I don't think is inconceivable and probably doesn't change because we even saw that they don't like throwing to Penny out of the backfield at all and that he can still monopolize. And listen, it's Chris Carson. They've picked to be that guy for the moment, so I'm going to continue to roll with that. Unless Pete Carroll comes out and says there's a distinct shift here sometime during the week because the only coach speak you can actually believe is Pete Carroll's, that I'm still good with Carson as a starter. Right, and that's the biggest thing. So we're just uh, you asked who the biggest concern was, and if everybody's playing, that's the only one that I would even concern myself with. Hey, look, the truth is, James Conner, 
and J- uh, Josh Jacobs workloads, if they're fine and they're playing and they're healthy, they're going to see a ton. The, the, the Josh Jacobs not seeing but two touches in the second half explains away a lot by the injury. So is that okay? Let me create two scenarios regarding Josh Jacobs here because we were super pumped up for him after week one, but that was a game that they were winning the entire time. So, of course, you're going to see like 75% Josh Jacobs in that game. Now, is his utilization or lack of utilization in the passing game due to that injury or was it due to game flow or are we just still just painting question marks around all of this because, frankly, it's probably a combination of both and we just don't know? Uh, I hate to say it, but I do think it's a combination of both because if they are down by two plus scores, I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to stay on the field 70, 80% of the time. They're going to mix Jalen Richard in. Now, I don't think at the same time, and why it's both, I don't think it would have been as stark as we saw last week where he only had two touches in the second half because I do think part of that was that he was banged up. If healthy, I think he'll lose where if they're down by two scores, I think maybe it's like 50% where it's like 70% while they're up. So that's concerning, but at the same time, it's not a big enough drop-off to make me knock him outside of the top 15, even in a full PPR, because the workload is just so good that even if you knock off the down-by-two scores, what, he still had 12 last week, and that's without anything in the passing game. If you get to, you know, back to his regular usage, you're talking about 15 to 16 touches. You're talking about 15 to 16 touches of Josh Jacobs, who, no, he's not quite there in that upper tier, even the second tier yet, but for the people out there, well, oh, you take away the big run. Well, that's the same thing. You can't take away a big run from Christian McCaffrey. You can't take a big way run away from Dalvin Cook, who had 70-plus yards on the one play. You can't take those away because that's part of who they are. So looking at the snap share from a week ago, Jacobs played 46% of the snaps. Richard, Rocket Richard, 31% of the snaps. And DeAndre Washington, 23%. I think if Jacobs was healthy, Richard stays around that 30% mark. It's just DeAndre Washington doesn't see the field. Yeah, I wouldn't even say this to see the field, maybe just around 10%. So about half his touches would have still went to Jacobs. Sure. So then all of a sudden you're just adding like six, seven touches to, or let's say right. four or five touches to Jacobs. And then all of a sudden it's not a concern. It was just Washington was on the field for some of these passing downs, which I don't think that you would see if Jacobs would have been healthy. I think those would have been Jacobs snaps. That's, that's my belief. And if you put those touches back that you just said, you do the quick math, 16, 17 touches, and we're all feeling fine. Yeah, so the only reason that I have him downgraded a little bit as it pertains to the week three rankings is just because I'm not 100% sold that he's going to be 100% with a groin injury. That That's something that you have to, I try to take in consideration with my rankings, that is there an extra risk of playing this guy that he might get hurt again? And the answer, with all things being equal, is yes for him. Especially in Minnesota, on top of it. Just because they're going to bang him up? No, it's, I mean, it's a tough defense that you don't want to face, like where you would say, all right, what if he is less than 100% playing through an injury? He's, he goes against the Giants defense. You're like, I don't care if he only gets 14 touches. They should be terrific anyway. But against the Vikings defense, you know, 14 touches and a 14 touches at 90% health is less appealing. That That's my point. Ah, Aaron Jones had no problems with him. Aaron Jones also had no problems. He touched the ball, what, 23, 24 times, though? Yeah, this is true. He was able to grind out. Even Jamal Williams had a modicum of success against them, too. Let's go they to- turned to for the first goal line carry. Like, that's just, you know, that that was my frustration of why I didn't get on board with Aaron Jones, because if he doesn't get the 20, whatever it was, three, four touches, Jamal Williams got that first touchdown. And we are all just annoyed as hell because that's what the Packers seemingly want to do. They will not let go of Jamal Williams. Uh, 21 to 30. It kicks off with Carlos Hyde. Then Joe Mixon, Matt Brady, David Montgomery, Flea Market. It's just like, it's just like, amen, all. Hey, hey. Carry on Johnson, Frank Gore, Philip Lindsay, Chris Thompson, James White, and Devonta Freeman. 
I feel like okay until we get to Matt Breda, and then I think it's kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> I actually feel good about David Montgomery, but and after that. I mean, nah, look, look. He, he got a ton of touches, yes. Right. But it's not like he was on the field all of the time. He got the important touches, and frankly, he didn't look very good. No, but it's also, it was a tough matchup, but he well, got. Was it because ja Jacob shredded these idiots in week one? It's, come on, seriously? It's yeah. still was it's it's still it's still the Broncos defense where like, I, you know, I, I'm more concerned like if it was me and I was like rating matchups I think the Broncos pass defense is far more concerning than their rush defense and I'm concerned that, and I'm concerned that the Chicago offense sucks so much that there's not a lot's gonna happen <laughs> look uh, you can be concerned I'm not I, I, I actually I'm fine with I'm a hundred percent fine with David Montgomery because he got the use. He got the touches. He got the carries. The only concern I had was they actually, he got saved from the idiocy of the bears and whatever with Nagy's. They gave the third down carry to Mike Davis, but fortunately that didn't go anywhere and they got the penalty and then turned back to Montgomery anyway. So I think this is one of those lessons learned. Like, look, you drafted David Montgomery. You talked him up. You got excited about him. You said he's better than Jordan Howard, Jordan Howard was mediocre last year and still had a pretty decent season because they gave him 270 touches. Montgomery is somebody who is one of the more elusive breaking tackles. The numbers are there. The pro football focus had it. He was like number one in college and broken tackles last year. You need to keep him on the field and keep him in the touches. He kind of needs that game flow. And I'm fine with it, especially against, look, it's the Redskins. They should be nursing a lead unless the only concern is if their offense stinks. If the offense stinks, then David Montgomery's not going to matter anyway. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, I have him at number 24. He's a back-end running back, too. I just don't have the utmost faith in him, where I feel like Matt Breda is going to touch the ball a bunch. Now I'm just worried about him, that Mossberg really? steals his touchdown, or Jeff... Yeah, I think that he's going to get 15 touches in this game. I, I do. Uh, well, he, he almost had half the snaps that Mostert did. He did, but every time he was on the field, he touched the ball. He's like, and Montgomery was very. I know much, that's fair. I'm like just, him and Montgomery uh, were very much the same last week. That when they were on the field, they got the ball. I'm worried about Mostert a little bit and stealing it away, but I don't know how much of a product that was. Like, hey, Matt Breda, the guy is constantly injured. We're up by three thousand points. Let's sit him down in the second half a little bit. And that might be, but I think it's just the, it's the Shanahanigans. We joke about it all the time. I'm I would rather trust David Montgomery than trust not knowing what Shanahan's going to do with that backfield. I mean, like the truth is, Jeff Wilson got two touchdowns because he's getting the goal line carries. Like I'm not, I just don't want to mess with the Shanahan backfield if I don't have to. The one thing that I will kind of prop up why Breda over Montgomery, and I think it's razor close. There's you know one spot if you think i'm an idiot just play david how Montgomery far how, how far apart is the gap between them <laughs> pat yeah uh just a little bit of space if i use the no spacing there's like three millimeters i don't know if americans know what millimeters are but they're not very big it's probably just one millimeter when you actually look at the page on your phone even smaller razor thin in that example but i think that he might do more in the passing game in this situation and i like the matchup a little bit more against pittsburgh to tell you the truth as a part of the passing game where I just, I'm really concerned about the Chicago offense. I really am. Okay. Hey, I'm not. Okay. Uh, the rest of them down here, like uh, Frank Gore, whether Singletary is banged up or not, he is. Now he might play. Gore's the one getting the touches anyway. So, yeah, I don't want to play Frank Gore. Well, but he's getting he is. the carries. He's getting the carries, and he'll get some, and if he's going to get the carries and Josh Allen doesn't steal his touchdowns, and he's probably going to get a touchdown in this game. Frank Gore just won't go away, man. I mean, I know. the truth is, like, even if Singletary is practicing on Thursday and Friday, to your point, Frank Gore is getting the carries. Singletary is getting more work in the passing game. But 
it, like until we get to the point, I would talk about this in the waiver column and on the rankings and all that type of stuff. I'm sure you're saying the same thing until we get to the point where Singletary is getting at least 50, 55% of the work. I just don't know how you can trust him every single week. Yes. There's upside. There's a great upside play last week against the giants. If he's a hundred percent, he's a good upside play against the Bengals this week. But the truth is, is it's still a risky play because if they go grind the clock and you're not going to grind the clock with Singletary, at least at this point, it's going to be Frank Gore. That's the problem. You just can't trust the touches. Yeah, 60% of the snaps for Gore last week, and it's not like Singletary was hurt the entire game. And there might be no. something, too, with the way that they're using this offense is that Josh Allen is like basically their primary <laughs> runner on the ground, and he kind of gets the defense out of it. You put Frank Gore in the game, he grinds it up the middle for two yards every single time. But <laughs> every time that Singletary does get a touch, he looks absolutely explosive. It's like defense is just they get lulled into a sense of security thinking Frank Gore is out there. They give it to Singletary. Like, good God, this guy is fast. They're doing the, they're doing the Mets with a uh, Bartolo Colon used to pitch for them as you let him pitch six innings. And then you bring in somebody who throws a hundred miles an hour and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, that used to be a big thing for the Red Sox too. You'd bring in Wakefield either like when they kept bringing him in as a reliever. Now it didn't work right. out against Aaron Boone at one point, but it was highly successful that you bring in Pedro. He's, he's gassing it uh, 99. And then you have the knuckleballer coming. Everyone's just out of whack and they're out of sync yeah. for like four innings maybe that's exactly what they're doing oh my gosh just frank gore and then holy crap this guy's got like four four speed and they don't know what to do yeah that's that's an interesting theory there uh carry on johnson well the eagles defense and the entire eagles team is entirely banged up i still do like the rush defense and i can't trust that he's going to get all the carries because he doesn't get who the hell is ty johnson and why is he getting the ball uh, the guy I tried to warn you about at the beginning of the season, I tried yeah. to, <laughs> I legitimately tried to say, look, it's not even Ty Johnson. It's blank player. That's there. Matt Patricia has roles for his running back. Where does he come from? He comes from Billichek. He comes from the Patriots. He comes from running backs have roles. We're going to use everybody differently. And the truth is Kerry Johnson's going to have some really nice games. And we all know he should probably get more work than he gets, but he also looks at the fact of he tries to, and he probably does it outsmarts himself because he's not Bill Belichick when it comes to intelligence, is Bill Belichick used to do a great thing. That's why we never knew one week to the next who was going to pop off because he, he used the running back that was best for that situation. I think Patricia's trying to do the same thing. He's just not as good as it. Ty Johnson is kind of theoretic, but better between the tackles. And that's why I said he's a legitimate threat to the touches because CJ Anderson is the short yard. TJ or Ty Johnson is pass catching, but actually a little bit more between the tackles. So they could steal a few carries away too. And carry on Johnson is just never going to see 25 touches. Yeah. Lindsay, I have right behind Frank or only because he's in a direct split with Royce Freeman at this point, but he's the, still the one catch at least seeing more of the targets out of the backfield. Uh, and I don't know if I love this matchup so much against green Bay, but you know, he's a fringe top 30 guy. Thompson and James white are kind of in the same bucket as pass catchers. But the problem with these gigantic Patriot spreads, as we saw last week is that Rex Burkhead played just as much as James white did. Like you need the games to be a bit more competitive for James, white to really make the true impact that he can make he still has a safe floor in ppr leagues and hopefully he can score a touchdown but if he doesn't like he's not going to do very much in this game yeah that's it look this is what we're talking about just another concerning backfield where the only one that it seems weird to say you trust because he did so poor in week one but it's sony michelle because sony michelle didn't get 20 carries, but he still got a hell of a lot of work in week one. It was just abysmal performance. And, and in week two, he had a touchdown stolen from him by the refs. So that was no, that's fun. true. 
Uh, sure. Those, those terrific refs that work at Foot Locker. Yes. Uh, 31 to 40 uh, after Devonta Freeman, who stinks, but still gets enough touches that I guess if you drafted him, you got to play him. Peyton Barber, Tariq Cohen, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, Royce Freeman, Kenyon Drake, Raheem Mostert, Adrian Peterson, Rashad Penny, and Malcolm Brown. Like, Adrian Peterson was so lucky to score a touchdown last week, and he still didn't even really have a good fantasy game. He, like, he's just, he's so dust. Like, unless he, unless he scores two touchdowns, he's not really doing anything for you. And this Eagles back, field screw them man like they're not good oh like, it, it, not- if you got fantasy points for getting really fast to the edge but not being able to break it downfield like put miles sanders on the all pro team but as soon as he makes a turn to go north like the guy's done um i'm still i'm buying low everywhere in miles sanders this is exactly I, again there's gonna be another one of like jake always says what i told you so but you know hey, i've been wrong about some things Miles Sanders, I said, wait and buy low and buy low, hopefully by week four. And we're two weeks away. I still think this is going to be his backfield for like 55% of the time, not 65, not 70%, because that's not what Doug Peterson does and ever will do. But I think he's going to lead this. Look, what did Jordan Howard do? Eight for 18? Really? You're telling me that Doug Peterson, despite I'm, always. I'm not too concerned about the 18 because I'm not playing Jordan Howard anyway. It's the eight that right. terrifies me. No, but that's my point is no matter the fact that Doug Peterson splits up his backfield, he has used Doug Darren Sproles before at 60% of the time, rarely, but it happened. He will get to the point where we have to assume Doug Peterson's smart enough to know, like, all right, I got to stop screwing around with Jordan Howard. And at that point, Jordan Howard falls into four or five touches and that 55, 60% possible share for Sanders is going to be better. I, I listen, I don't hate the idea of buying low on Miles Sanders that eventually this job can become mostly his, but in terms of week three, I, I, I'm not feeling super oh, no. good about playing him. No, the week three, you definitely can't. I don't want to, I don't want to touch this backfield. The guy that you should go pick up that probably will end up becoming a starter is the judge, Ito Smith, because Freeman looks done. I actually have him as one of my top pickups in my waiver column. I'm sure you probably had the same because you talk about the usage and you look at it. The biggest thing I pulled up is I was on uh, fantasy data and I looked at the fact of the yards after first contact and it's abysmal for Devontae Freeman. Like you, to your point, he looks done. Like it's not even the fact of, Hey, he's going to get himself hurt because of how he runs. Like Freeman just looks toast at this point. He looks, he looks worse than Frank Gore. Yeah. I mean, Frank Gore is good for two and a half yards of cloud of dust and not fumbling. That's his entire game. And that's all. The, and that's honest to God. That's all the bills are really looking for from him. That's I mean, it's not asking a whole lot. No, it's not. But hey, just don't fumble and we're good to go here. If people are looking for snap shares between running backs, I mean, I tweet them out. But if you want like an interactive way to kind of play around with them, uh, especially with receivers and where they line up on the field, plus all the daily fantasy research that you can do with an optimizer and everything like that, I do highly recommend dailyroto.com. And if you use the promo code the PME at checkout, you get yourself 10% off. Drewby, again at Daily Roto, won, well, he didn't win 100K this week like he won in week one he only won like 30k in showdown in week oh, that's two it. yeah he just save some money for the rest of us Drewby. all right <laughs> uh, and i do have a showdown show that i did with colin from like two weeks ago you can go check that out that's up on all the pme feeds right now in the DraftKings youtube channel let's talk receivers for week three do you have it are you if you're not looking at them can you guess who comes in at number one uh julio uh it is deandre hopkins that guy's good <laughs> is he yeah, I've heard that. But here I, the- thought, I thought you were trying to trip me up, and that's why. No, it goes Hopkins, Adams, Julio, Beckham, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Juju, 
Uh, Kenny Galladay in a terrific matchup against the Eagles in a Murray Cooper. But I just want to talk about the guys that I have ranked right now that are questionable to play. David Moore with his arm, Albert Wilson with his calf, Sterling Shepard with his couldn't cush on. Rashad, Rashad Higgins with his knee should be good to go for next week. Tyrell Williams and his hip issue. Uh, Chris Conley and his hip issue. The guys that I do not have in the rankings, A.J. Green, Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Trent Taylor, Demarius Thomas, Jalen, you heard? Marquise Lee and out, just officially out. Uh, Michael Gallup's going to miss two to four weeks with a knee injury. Traquan Smith will miss four to eight with a high ankle sprain. And Tyreek Hill is still gone. If people are wondering why the rankings look like they do. Juju, I'm not super concerned, to tell you the truth. I don't think that he has, like people talked about him being the number one overall receiver this year. I think that's kind of off the board, but top 10 (laughs) is still Juju. Uh, I think he's still, I'd say back in the top 10, I'd say fringy wide receiver one discussion. The biggest thing is like credit to Chris Meany. He called him his bust of the year at wide receiver. And he said, look, he's not going to be bad. He's not going to be a non top 20 wide receiver. It's just, he might not be equipped. And if you look at how he plays to handle the number one attention, because similar to Michael Thomas, it's that big slot role. Well, different from Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas can fit that role a little bit better for the team he plays for. Juju Smith-Schuster worked so well because he had Antonio Brown aside him where he could play that role because that role in general, being a big slot, leads to a lot of Michael Thomas-type games where it's 10 catches for 90 yards. People are like, oh, you only got me 90 yards. It's 10 freaking catches and 90 yards. Like, stop complaining. But Juju kind of feels like, like, again, that's that role where if he only has five catches, it might only be 60 or 70 yards most week because it's not the bigger plays like DeAndre Hopkins. Or you go down the list of obviously Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, stuff like that. So it's not, again, to Chris's point, it's not that he's a bad wide receiver. It's not that he's a bad fantasy play. It's just he's not what you just said. Is He's not top five. He's not the number one going forward in Dynasty. He's just, he's good. He's fringy wide receiver one. Uh, I have Michael Thomas at number 11, another guy dealing with a new quarterback in a bit of a different situation. I, again, I think he's someone whose upside might be capped right now until Drew Brees returns. If Drew Brees returns, they're talking about six weeks, but a thumb injury on your throwing hand to a quarterback is something that could just take a bit of a feeling out process as well. I actually like him as a buy low right now because people are really panicking on him. Who, Thomas? Yeah. I do too because I actually don't think there might be I, – I actually – wonder if the fall off is zero like because to what a point i was just bringing up is michael thomas plays the big slot what's the complaint about teddy bridgewater is he doesn't have great downfield accuracy or a big arm well you put the two and two together and hey guess what maybe he sees a lot of usage that being michael thomas and maybe he's still seeing his 10 13 15 targets any given week and if teddy bridgewater is just on pace with those and on target with those well, guess what? It's going to be a fine week. I mean, you go back to Teddy Bridgewater's first two seasons. He barely threw over 3,000 yards, which was an increase over 16 games and still only threw 14 touchdowns. My only concern would be that. My only concern would be the scoring in this offense. I actually think the receptions and yards will be pretty similar to what they were with Drew Brees. Uh, the, I think the efficiency just goes down because you kind of hit on it that Drew Brees, on, where he's unable, or sorry, Teddy Roosevelt, where he's unable to utilize every part of the field, especially deep. Not that Drew Brees is the best deep ball thrower in the league, but he can make those. And especially with Traquan out right now as well, just another, does that mean 
Kirkwood's going to be back? Because I would love that. I love Kirkwood. But it, it, it just if you know that Teddy can't throw to certain parts of the field where Drew Brees can, or at least disguise this offense to make it look that way, where you always have to keep a safety deep in order to account for these guys that get behind the defense, and maybe you bring that guy up, and all of a sudden Michael Thomas is doubled. So instead of 15 targets, and he ends up with, 12, 13 receptions like we're used to with Drew Brees. Maybe that's down to like six, seven receptions just because there's so much focus knowing that's the only soft spot on the field that Teddy can throw to. And that's the downside. I mean, that's the counter argument to everything I just said. And it's a worthy concern. I just, I can definitely see it not being that bad. I definitely could see this being right back to what we were seeing with Drew Brees. Then maybe to your point, it is 12 or 13 targets instead of nine or 10 per game, just because he's going to keep going back to Michael Thomas. And yeah, as you mentioned, because it might be Kirkwood, Austin Carr might, who knows, because there is no straight points with, I actually missed that he was out for that long. Yeah, well, it came out after the guy. He he kind of limped off towards the end of the Rams game, and then on Monday it was revealed that he had a high ankle sprain all of a sudden. So the same injury that Tevin Coleman has. So it anticipates six weeks. I'll talk about that more with Dr. Jesse Morse on Friday's Pat Mayo experience to get you ready for the weekend and try to figure out a lot of these injuries. Someone actually did ask me, do they trade Mike Evans for Michael Thomas? And I said, yes. You, d- you do you I, might have I definitely you might have to like sit on it for like it might be close or Evans might outscore him two of the next four weeks whatever but if you just if you're setting up your team not because I don't think Michael Thomas will be bad at all he just won't be the greatest but if Breeze comes back and he's Breeze all of a sudden you just inherit a top three receiver <laughs> that's the, the biggest thing is I was gonna say for the immediate short term or at least the six weeks whatever it might be I don't know that's any dip that's like a wash trade like what's the point of doing it but to your point the point of doing it is that once Drew Brees is back, that's what you're hoping for. Like, even if Jameis Winston turns a corner, Mike Evans will be Mike Evans. But even if you look back to last year, there's a lot more inconsistency with Mike Evans compared to Michael Thomas. Yeah. So, if yeah, you get the consistency of Michael Thomas, that is a check mark over Mike Evans. Mike Evans is going to have huge games at some point this season, but he's going to be relatively inconsistent because of that offense. And he's splitting a lot of his stats right now with Chris Godwin. Like, if you told me, like, I have Chris Godwin, I have Michael Thomas at 11, Chris Godwin at 12, Mike Evans at number 13 this week. Like, I'm not going to be entirely shocked when Chris Godwin outscores Mike Evans by the end of the year. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked either. It'll be really interesting to see what teams are thinking going forward because this will be a good game to tell you this because the Giants only basically have one quality secondary piece right now, and that's Janoris Jenkins. And if Mike Evans gets the Jenkins treatment or if they start treating him like Chris Godwin as the who gets the Jenkins treatment, that's going to be telling what teams think about this team going forward. Well, it's funny. We saw that last week in the New England game that Antonio Brown only played 33% of the snaps, but he kept getting all these targets and Josh Gordon did absolutely nothing. But Miami identified that Josh Gordon was the guy that they had to shut down. That's who Xavier Howard was on. So why throw it in that direction? Exactly. Although Xavier Howard now wants off this team. (laughs) Who wouldn't want off this team? (laughs) Did you see he actually tweeted the gift from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air last night? Which one? The one where he's in the living room. Yeah, Will in, yeah. in the season in the series finale, him to stand by himself. Series, series finale. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's good. Good on him. At least he's having fun with it on the social medias. <laughs> so the entire eleven to twenty, I said Thomas Godwin Evans. I have DJ Moore there right now. That's if Cam plays. Obviously, if Cam doesn't play, I'm going to bump him down. But he seems to be relatively unaffected by Cam's injury at all. It actually might be helping his fantasy stats at the moment. <laughs> Tyrell Williams, if he plays, that's where I'm putting him. He gets enough of a market share and red zone share that he goes there. Cooper Cup, Julian Edelman, Calvin. Ridley John Brown number 19 Hollywood Brown number 20 I'm in I was too low last week I feel like a dummy 
Uh, I don't know if you can feel like a dummy. I mean, the truth is, is it was the use and how much he was going to be on the field because it wasn't out there for a high volume of the snaps in the first game. So it's, it's worth being considered. Like the truth about Marquise Brown going forward. And even now is Lamar Jackson's quarterback. It's going to be Deshaun Jackson kind of play. You're going to have some weeks where Lamar Jackson only throws for 230, 240 yards. Maybe his one touchdown goes to Mark Andrews. Maybe he throws for no touchdowns. And it's going to be one of the weeks where Marquise Brown only gets you two for 40 or two for 30. But the upside of him, why he's probably in the wide receiver two conversation going forward, because if Deshaun Jackson is healthy with Carson Wentz, and if Carson Wentz is playing to his peak, He's going to be close to a wide receiver two value, and I think that's how you have to treat Marquise Brown going forward is he's he's the new Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, and this is a fantastic matchup against the Chiefs, too, in a projected game total of 55. Like, basically, start. That's it? Start. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Let's start all your guys from this game. So, 21. I thought it'd be, like, 58. Yeah, it might be by the time. People love betting over, so that might get you a step. I have Christian Kirk, number 21, against this Panthers defense. I just like his big playability here, and. I'm done underrating Kyler. Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown, Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, Josh Gordon, Emmanuel Sanders, Tower Lockett, Larry Fitzgerald, Mike Williams is the top 30. We'll see the uh, the Chiefs guys just after that because I had Sammy Watkins inside my top 10. But Antonio Brown might not play this week. That's on the table, right? <laughs> it's on the table. Uh, who the heck knows in the NFL? But you know, the I, truth is... I, I'm ranking him as if he's playing until we hear anything differently. Uh, maybe Which I should way too low. So he's way too low. Like this isn't a week way where, too low. It's not a week where it's just like, Oh, we saw what happened last week. We tried to get him involved. Now we'll go back to Josh Gordon a little bit. No, that's true. It's Antonio Brown. And in fact, people were coming after me in my rankings. I can't believe you're so high on Antonio Brown. Cause I had him in the top 20. I think I'm like 18. It wasn't even that high. I was associating some of the risk, even at 18, despite my wanting to put him at 12, but the associated risk, like, the fact is, is Antonio Brown is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. The Patriots know this. They're not going to dick around just for purposes of like, ha we're going to make Josh Gordon more involved or, or we fooled you, Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown's not suspended by the NFL or going through whatever that is and he's on the field, Antonio Brown's going to be a wide receiver one for me every single week he plays. All right, I'm not going to wide receiver one, but I, I will trust you. You're good at this stuff. I will bump him all the way up into the rankings behind Mike Evans, so number 14 then not close enough close enough i was i was like yeah i was like number three or four last week in wide receiver ranking so there you go yeah i mean i was way down on him like i if i had i don't have antonio brown anywhere but if i did i probably wouldn't have played him fortunately i was like i'll play i'll pick up nicole hardman and play him instead and that actually that worked out out. it worked out but it was bad decision making on my part because i was wrong about antonio (laughs) brown if it wasn't if i had picked up like let's say dk metcalf instead and played him over antonio brown then i would be looking like an idiot and feeling like it. Oh, well, the, uh, DK Metcalf still had a solid game. Yeah, not a Antonio Brown had a better game. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, Nicole Harmon could have had an amazing game, and you didn't say it like you wanted to. I know. Me, Cole, hard man, the caveman <laughs> finding himself in the end zone. So they appear in the next set of rankings from 31 to 40, mainly because it feels like Watkins will be more involved this week. It's hard to see, you know, Demarcus Robinson catching two touchdowns and Hardman catching one and having another call back every single week. Maybe, maybe they can sustain that. I mean, it's funny that <laughs> Mahomes has regressed so far this season in terms of overall touchdowns because he's only thrown seven instead of 10. But this is why we said he couldn't throw 50 again because he's been amazing and he's not on that pace anymore. So I, I, I think that 
you're due to be disappointed by one of these guys almost every single week. Not disappointed to the fact like where they're not startable, but disappointed no. to the fact where one of them goes off and the other one doesn't do as much. So when I look at that range for myself at 31, I have Tyler Boyd in a tough matchup against the Bills, but I think that could be a sneaky shootout game. Scary Terry at number 32, Robert Woods, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Heart of Charkness, DJ Chark, the baby Chark, number 35, <laughs> Stefan Diggs, who like sucks now, Demarcus Robinson, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, John Ross at 40, and then it's like D.D. Westbrook, Curtis Samuel, Devin Smith, and Mecole Hardman and D.K. Metcalf are the top 45. I think this is a really interesting tier of 15 guys. You can interchange a lot of them, but if I'm going to go, I have two thoughts on this as it pertains to the eagles this week versus the lions do you think that Aguilar ends up on slay uh that's so no i I don't think slay moves it will depends what they do if they keep Aguilar in the slot then i would assume no the slay does move around but i think slay is more comfortable if you watch his performances playing outside now i could be 100 wrong because as much as I do analyze safeties and corners and stuff like that, I'm not the best. I will 100% admit I'm not the best when it comes to analyzing corners. Just from what I've seen and the grades that we see and the play that we've seen, and then you run the, you get the grades on Pro Football Focus to talk about what he did versus wide receivers when he was facing this one, this one, and this one. For the most part, it seems, it appears that Slay, as good as he is, is better outside than he is in the slot if he drops down. So if Aguilar drops down to slot and stays there the entire game, I think Slay could be on our Sega white side or whatever they end up doing outside. Maybe it's Mac Collins if Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are both out. It sounds like Jeffrey's out. Deshaun Jackson sounds iffy as of today. Uh, so that, that's the concerning thing. Now, if they pop Aguilar outside and play our Sega white side, I think he becomes a very sneaky play because to what I joked about in my column is that a similar JJ, an abbreviated name, Juju Smith-Schuster, JJSS, JJAW, our Sega white side is very similar to Smith-Schuster. He's that big slot that fits better in that role. So I'm kind of hoping the Eagles use him that way. And if so, like I said, I think he could be a sneaky play. I, I do too. He had so many air yards last week and just didn't come down with it. I think that he's your big play opportunity guy. He actually comes at number 47 just after Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf in the rank. Cause I think if you're taking a flyer, he's someone who's widely available uh, and against a defense that can be had deep. The problem with that game is that, you know, Detroit's going to try to slow it down. They're going to run the ball up the middle for two yards every time and just milk the clock <laughs> out of this game. And where the Eagles are so beat up on offense that they might actually just try to do the same. And you'll see a very slow paced game, which really hurts the overall production but for jj a dub it's only going to take one play but mac hollins was actually the one like patrolling the slot a lot towards the end of that game against atlanta which i thought was odd yeah that was kind of a little bit odd but like i said it's going to be unfortunately probably not going to be that much news that we get to glean from it until game day and we actually see it on the field unless deshaun jackson gets announced out early enough that we can see something from practice on thursday and friday but it might just be one where, to your point, just maybe avoid this game unless you're desperate. And if you are desperate, just go for the upside of our Sega West. Just go for the big plays. Outside of Kenny Galladay, instead of going for Marvin Jones, just go for the upside that maybe it's so slow and short paced that the Amendola gets another 13 whatever targets it was like he saw in week one. But I just want to probably stay away from this as much as possible. Aguilar would be my preferred play in season long only because of the history with Carson Wentz and that appears after Zach Ertz that that's going to be the second most targeted guy in this offense. At least that's if Deshaun Jackson is out and Alshon is out, I believe that he will be the receiver with the most targets in this game. And I think that even with so, if he gets, that's my concern. If he gets slay, I just don't see Aguilar doing anything. But then if he doesn't get slay, then he's just going to be running around. He's going to have a good game. 
Yeah, maybe can we get Patricia on the horn to find out who he was who he's gonna get slay on? You think Matt Patricia knows that? So should I bump down Agalor then because of that? No, this is a fair range to have him. I mean, you said there's a lot of upside and conversation to be had with everybody in this range. Well, like, would you play Demarcus Robinson or Nelson Aguilar? Uh, if Deshaun Jackson's out, I'd probably slightly lean to Aguilar because we're still there's there's nothing affirmative from that game. Like, I love Demarcus Robinson finally fulfilling his potential and the upside that we hope, but. You know, he was on the field and saw more opportunities than Michael Hardman. But if Hardman didn't get that play called back, people aren't even caring about Demarcus Robinson, despite how big his game was. So it's just to your point earlier, to circle back to that, you know, Sammy Watkins was the one left out. Although if you would have told me that Patrick Mahomes is throwing for over 400 yards and four touchdowns and he's going to target Sammy Watkins 13 times, I would have put Sammy Watkins inside my top 10. I hate to tell you that, but. That's just the process here of what you said earlier is that somebody is probably going to get left out. And in that case, I'm just going to go for the one with the volume that we know is going to happen. And for your point, Nelson Aguilar's volume should be the one that's the highest. Are you good with Charker, Heart of Charkness over D.D. Westbrook now? No, Baby Chark. Baby Chark. Yeah, Chark, I'm, Chark, I'm out on Chark, Baby Chark. Baby that was, Chark. Again, that, that, that's too easy. That one's too easy. But it's so much fun because that is, song gets stuck it, in your head. Yeah, but you don't have an eight-month-old child at home who listens to that. Like, it just, I put it on Is in the he morning. really listening to it already? I, I put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I put it on in the morning on, like, repeat. And it gets to the, like, you have, like, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. And then just a big smile comes on his face. And he sits there and watches the video like this. I'm like, this is fucking fantastic. Like, let's, let's do this. You should play him. Switch it up. Play him Summertime Love. Give me one chance, I'll make you my princess. I don't know. The AT&T commercial. Yeah. The, the AT&T commercial. That's like the most catchy fake pop song in the history of forever. It's the summertime love. You you would have to think that I watch commercials to watch that. Uh, yeah, it's hard to not watch commercials during football, even if you're watching like one of those channels. They do pop on a few times. Oh no no no! I mean commercials happen. I I listen to most football games without sound. Oh okay, fair enough. What was the question? Uh, Chark over D. Chark, Chark over D. Westbrook. Uh, yeah, honestly, until Nick Foles comes back, D. D. Westbrook, I don't want to drop. Like, there's a couple that I even I, put I, in the way. Oh, I'm not saying drop D. D. Westbrook. No, no, I, no. I mean, but it's, I'm bringing it's that a one, up. It's a one game. Like he wasn't all that good, but like it, no, it, no, no, no. It could very well swing back this week. No, going forward, I would prefer Chark. Period. Not just one week. I would prefer Chark to D. D. Westbrook until Nick Foles comes back because. One of the things I said in the offseason about Chark is he's the only one on this roster, in my opinion, that has the ability to be an NFL number one wide receiver because of what he brings, size, his speed, his ability outside. D.D. Westbrook is great at what he does. And if you remember what I called him, I said I called him Antonio Brown light because I didn't want to call him poor man's because that's kind of disrespectful to a lot of people. People hear poor man's and it's automatically bad. So he's Antonio Brown, but I don't think that the Antonio Brown light fits well for what now Minshew is doing. And what this offense looks like, I think it's only one guy. And if it's one guy, it's Chark for me. Again, I brought up the dropping thing because similar to like Jameson Crowder and Trey Quinn, like these type of guys, I don't want to drop. I want to hold on for things to change. But if you absolutely had to, it was the, that's why I brought it up. Oh, I'm good with dropping Crowder or Trey Quinn at the moment, to tell you the truth. Like until Darnold comes back, maybe you hold on to Crowder for Darnold to come back. But with Colombo playing quarterback for them, I don't think it's going to be all that good news. Well, until they trade for Eli Manning. Oh, that would, be, the same that would be amazing. Yeah, I am. I, I really want that to happen. Very much look forward to that. Uh, Only because of Andrew Cust. Yeah, 
it would just be fantastic. But like, they're unplayable. Like, Jameson Crowder's unplayable till that point. Like, Trey Quinn, what sort of. With Scary Terry now being the guy that they're actively trying to get touchdowns to, I don't know how much Trey Quinn's going to oh, do. Oh, and he's blowing away the snap count for everybody else on that team, too. Oh, yeah. I would just love to see that trade that trade happen because I fully believe Tim's face, like, you know, and Indiana Jones would just melt on camera. Oh, see, maybe we'll have to actually get him on camera so we can watch that happen in real time. But D.D. Westbrook isn't on the same plane as those guys. D.D. Westbrook's, like, legit good. He just needs to be utilized in the right way. So I still hold out how... Oh, he'd be the last out of three. Yeah, uh, but do I have... Do I have Devin Smith too low? Should I have him like no, inside I think the top thirty? That's a that's a fair spot. So I admit, like this is going to be whatever. I said I was probably too high on Devin Smith. Now that draft class was miserable in 2015. Like that is awful. Like if people remember the top three consensus, the debate was it was Kevin White, Amari Cooper, and Devontae <laughs> Parker. We've seen how that's turned out. That was a draft class with Darrell Green Beckham in it. Uh, Tyler Lockett of the best of the rest is probably in that mix because it's Rashard Perriman and uh, who else? Uh, Lock, or not Lockett, um, Philip Dorsett. It's just a miserable draft class. I had Devin Smith five, and that's why I bring that up is because I was probably too high on him, and I might still be too high on him. I really like what he brings size-wise, speed-wise, outside. I said at worst case, he could be Mike Wallace, and I still think he brings that, but – to say all that, and I bring that up only to say this is somebody who's a fan of his, is you're going to have a trusted veteran in Randall Cobb, and whoever it is between those two is still the third option. It's still Amari Cooper and Zeke before you even get to them, and all of a sudden, Jason Witten has seen a ton of red zone targets. He's actually top five through the first two weeks. I just don't know that you should have him higher. I think that's a fair spot. I'm going to move him up to number 40. I'm just excited to play him. The big play potential that comes along with it. He could be like a, he could be a weak winner based on his skill set and potential and opportunity and opportunity in this game. Like this might be a, Hey, we're up by a zillion points. Let's showcase Devin Smith going deep. Mm, That's a weird thought process, but okay. Yeah, or maybe that's how they end up getting there. Like, if Xavier Howard ends up on Amare Cooper, that could limit him a little bit. I'm kind of with you on that call with Randall Cobb and them splitting snaps potentially, but that he's going to be in the slot. Smith is going to be starting in Gallup's place on the outside. That you know, it might they might throw three deep balls to him if it's the game where he comes down with two. All of a sudden, you're looking fantastic. Well, and it could be 40 plus points again. This team has a minus 92 point differential through two games. Yeah. So if, if there's a shot to take the high scoring game on the deep play guy is always good. Just like Demarcus Robinson and Cole Hardman. Cole hard man. These speed guys that just only need to do one thing to achieve ultimate value. Uh, I like them in this like low 30s, 40 range over the Hunter Renfro's and Cole Beasley's and Trey Quinn's of the world, where if you need eight points, that's fantastic. And in deeper leagues, that has value. But if you're just playing one, whether you have a conservative team or a riskier team, I'm going to start leaning a bit more risky, Jake. <laughs> That's fair. Although during that whole uh, little explanation there, you made like think of like an old Kung Fu mo- movie. Achieve ultimate value. Ha, ah, see, perfect. Oh, your boy, James Washington. Go pick him up. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, like, look, we could paint the narrative of a, hey, who put up the numbers was Mason Rudolph and James Washington together at Oklahoma state. I mean, he accounted, I put that in the waiver article too. It's like around 30 to 40% of the yards and touchdowns of Mason Rudolph. That is an enormous amount of his numbers going to James Washington, James Washington. Just even the fact that if let's say Mason Rudolph wasn't the quarterback, it's still Ben Roethlisberger. Moncrief has literally dropped his opportunity. Like the window, the door, everything is open for James Washington to step in. Now, is he definitely going to? Absolutely not. There's like James Washington's had his own flaws so far. He's run into coverage. He's shown issues through training camp. So he has issues here, but 
the door is open. And if there's somebody who knows how to work with them, it's the guy who played with him for four years in college, three years, which were exceptional. Uh, any other receivers you think are worth mentioning? Like uh, Jarvis Landry is essentially like the, the poor man, Stefan Diggs. Like not only is he not good, <laughs> he also does nothing. So he's definitely a poor man. So he's definitely, that's fair. Uh, no, I mean, if you're going this deep already, I kind of feel bad for you. That, I'm not trying to be glib. It's just the truth is, is if I feel bad. Like the, I'll say this uh, just to bring him up. Uh, Paris Campbell, I want to get too excited about so far because the snap count was even behind Zach Paschal, the worst on that team, and it was one target for one catch for a touchdown. So just sometimes people don't always look at all the box score numbers or all the snap counts, all that type of stuff. I still think Paris Campbell has the most upside of anybody not named T.Y. Hilton, but I'd chill out a little bit because people are probably going to see the Atlanta matchup and say, you know, oh, I'm going to roll out Paris Campbell. Yeah, it was Deion Kane who actually ended up playing the most snaps. Him and Chester Rogers over the dream team of the French of Paris, Campbell and Zach Pascal trying to come to Indianapolis and maybe take on this Falcon defense and maybe have all the croutons, the baguettes, the long cigarettes, and maybe some touchdowns. That never really materialized. And I am with you this week that that's it's exactly going to be why I want to bring up Paris Campbell is just it, for that. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about Zach Pascal as well. They're, they're just piling up all these French receivers. Zach Pascal. <laughs> oh, if you say it like I do, then obviously he's French. All right. Fair you, enough. You know, know who they make you, the entire team French. Do you know what? Well, you know who they need to get back on their team? Pierre Garçon. Hey, he might be better than most, most of what they have. Hey, Although is, I really like Deion Kane. I just don't is like the fact that Deion Kane. What happened to Pierre Garçon? Yeah. No. Like he's not retired. No, I, I think he is. I just I was making a joke. I I, I like he. I feel like he still could play. <laughs> uh, I think he was getting really banged up at the end of his career. And real quick to go back to the Deion King got all the snaps, but he was barely even used in that game. Even would he have one target? Oh yeah, I'm not saying play Dion Kane. No, no, no. Adve- adve- adventures of Superman, Dion Kane. But it just seems like <laughs> all these guys are just eating like. Kane's on the field a whole bunch, so that means that Campbell or Pascal can't do much in this situation because they're not getting the opportunity. But just because Kane is playing, it does seem like when Campbell's on the field or in the red zone, they'll throw to him. Like, it's just, don't worry about it. Do you have the demographics of your viewers to know whether or not they, like, you aged out some of the people by the Dean Kane reference? Uh, I'd say, I mean, the majority of listeners to this show are between the ages of 24 and 35. That's like 60% of the audience. So if you're, so you probably lost half of them right there with the ma- Dean Kane ma- reference. Maybe, but if you're around me in age, then all of a sudden, you know, if you're in like the 32, 33, 34, like 35, all of a sudden, yeah, you got the Adventures of Super. Terry Hatcher is Lois Lane. Go back and watch. They're fantastic. They're real and they're fantastic. Quarterbacks for the week. Now, that's one that will just completely, I feel, go over people's heads because all these <laughs> n- newfangled millennials, they all love friends over Seinfeld. No, Seinfeld just got picked up by Netflix because they're losing, or somebody because they lost uh, friends. Yeah, they are getting picked up by Netflix, but like, are, are people having problems finding Seinfeld episodes that they need to be on Netflix to watch it? Like, it's on 8,000 times a day still. I was just about to say, I think TBS has it on like for seven episodes every single day throughout the middle of the day. Hey, listen, I can do a Seinfeld marathon any day of the week. And if anyone out there thinks it's thinks that Friends is better than Seinfeld, I suggest you give your head a shake. It's a horrible take. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable with rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. 
Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash PME and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to your doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with the doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash PME to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash PME for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash PME. Quarterbacks. Let's talk about those. You want to talk about horrible takes. I got horrible takes on quarterbacks. Guys that I have in, Marcus Mariota, and I do have Cam Newton currently in the rankings. Again, if you hit the description or comment section of this video or podcast, you can find the updated rankings throughout the week. If Cam Newton gets declared out, it will affect a whole bunch of positions. But as of right now, I do have him in. Benched, Eli Manning. We got Dr. Jones in now. And out, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Donald. Uh, with mono, he's got the mono, mono, got the mono, mono. And Trevor Simeon is out for the season. Patrick Mahomes, no shocker. Number one, Lamar Jackson, no shocker. Number two. Then, I got Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Jameis Winston, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford. Jameis versus the Giants. I ain't scared, Jake. That's exactly the one I'm looking at. I mean, I know it's versus the Giants, but who? Jameis does not look good the first two I, weeks. This is one I where I'm not going to. scared. I can't do that. I can't. Not where you have them. Like, there's, there's some names behind them. Like, there's no way. How do you? Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. How do you not have Matt Ryan inside your top 10? Matt Ryan stinks. I'm just throwing that no, up. He there. doesn't. Yeah, he does. He's no, bad. He he's bad and he's playing a good defense. Do you know do you know what Matt Ryan was in week one last year and he finished as the second quarterback on the season? He was QB twenty six in week one. Listen, like, he I'm, can I, have I, bad not, games. Yeah, I, I get the idea. He's going to have bad games. I think that this is going to be a bad game for him. I don't think it'll be that bad. I put it this way. I could be 100% wrong. Quarterbacks are tough because they're so flat. I mean, all it takes is one touchdown and you could jump from, you know, QB 16 to QB six. I mean, that's the truth. So I'm not trying to make excuses. I just, I legitimately would never start Jameis Winston over Matt Ryan at this point. I'll start Jameis Winston basically over everyone this week. Jameis Winston going crazy. It's going to be a big week. You start him over Dak Prescott. Do it. Well, I'm not starting him. I have Dak at number three. Well, you said over anybody. So just... Well, I mean, over people. I mean, I'm starting Dak, Josh Allen, and Jameis over basically every quarterback that you people out there drafted. <laughs> you people. <laughs> like my home triggered. <laughs> uh, you should be triggered. Uh, yeah, Brady, Coward, Murray. So besides Jameis, do you have a problem with the top 10? No, I don't really. I like, I, I probably would have Matt Ryan at least close, if not inside my top 10. Uh, Jameis, I would never rank that high, but. Outside of that, no. I mean, otherwise, it looks pretty good. Uh, Matthew Stafford's a little high for me. Just You brought up the point that it's probably going to be slow. It, it is, but just Philly's defense, especially pass defense, is just so abysmal. Like, it, Galladay might catch three touchdowns in this game. <laughs> I'd still start the opposite side of the ball, even with their injuries. I'd still start Wentz before I started Matthew Stafford. You know, I have him two spots behind. I mean, people can make that decision I if they want to. I, I would go with Stafford in this spot. If you play two QB leagues, let's say, who is the best pickup of all these new guys? It's Mason Rudolph, right? Because he's going yes. to play the entire season. Well, I mean, so is Daniel Jones. And, but that's, I'm going with Mason Rudolph because I'm going for the upside. Look, 
they drafted Mason Rudolph with the potential thought in the back of their mind of like, he might be the answer. This is back when Ben Roethlisberger didn't know if he was going to play the next season. And everybody remembers Ben Roethlisberger was all ticked off. They drafted Mason Rudolph and they spent such a high draft pick on somebody who shouldn't be playing because I'm here, blah, blah, blah. And Ben Roethlisberger, when he got hurt, even said that he still signed a contract and plans to play. This is, though, going forward, this is, this is a situation where I forget who draw the, drew the comparison, but they said similar to the Tony Romo and uh, the situation before him with Troy Aikman, where the choice might already be made. Like, Mason Rudolph might play so well the rest of the season that the Steelers might say, well, forget it. We're going with Mason Rudolph and figure something else out with Ben Roethlisberger, whether cut or whatever it might be. But Mason Rudolph was drafted with a pedigree. Yes, he's coming from Oklahoma State and coming from the Big 12 and coming from that offense and all that type of stuff. But he has the pedigree of like, well, Baker Mayfield comes from the Big 12 too. And like everybody's fine with him at this point. So there is the highest upside, especially when you talk about the one team that has the offensive line to protect his quarterback that's young and inexperienced. I mean, the Saints are solid, but we've seen Teddy Bridgewater before. Mason Rudolph's in the best situation, in my opinion. And we get to this circumstance, it actually works out at, to the advantage of, uh, I guess they traded their first-round pick, so maybe it doesn't work out this way now. I, I'm still kind of surprised they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick because if the Rudolph thing works out, then, hey, you have a quarterback for next year. But if it doesn't right. work out, theoretically, you could have used your top-five pick on a quarterback for next year, but now they don't have that luxury. No, they don't, which kind of tell. I mean, that trade should tell you how the Steelers feel about Mason Rudolph and their potential to make the playoffs. Yeah, but their feeling on a guy that they watch every single day versus the reality of how good he may be oh, can be completely course. off. No, of course, but I'm just saying, if you're telling me like the talent around these guys, again, I go back to the biggest thing is I want an offensive line I can trust for somebody who the biggest, I don't want to pimp the show more, but D'Angelo Williams was talking about is young quarterbacks don't go through progressions well. He's even saying, like, he's played – go back to Carolina. He was playing mix and match with quarterbacks year after year after year for a while there with playing with Testaverde at 44, and that David Carr was mixed in there, and then Jimmy Clausen. Like, he's seen all of it. And he said the biggest thing is the young ones don't get through the projection, pro, uh, progressions, let alone the second time around to check one that he's already checked before. Like when you go two, three, four, come back to one because nothing's open. They usually go one, two, and that's it, maybe three. So if you want somebody to have time to learn to start doing progressions, you want an offensive line, and that's why I go to the Steelers. I totally forgot that the Clossamy bag played in the NFL. Man, was he bad. Jimmy Clawson, where it looks like God forgot to spread his face out because they were all like right here. Yeah, but when he goes swimming, he only has to use one goggle. <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> Tight end rankings for week three. I have Vernon Davis questionable with an eye injury. It uh, looks like he's going to play doubtful and not in the rankings. David Njoku, he'll be replaced by Demetrius Harris in this offense, uh, at least most of the time. Dallas Goddard with a calf. Jordan Reed with a concussion. Tyler Higby with his chest. All four of those guys could end up playing. As of right now, it does not look like they're going to play, so the rankings have them as out. Chris Herndon, Ben Watson still suspended. No shocker here. Travis Kelsey, number one. Zach Ertz, number two. George Kittle, number three. Evan Ingram, number four. And then we get into the real stuff. I got Waller, hardly newer, number five. Your boy, Jake, you, you might be winning this bet with me that Mark Andrews does look excellent. I have him at number six. But hey, it's a long season. He could get hurt or something. Delaney Walker, Vance McDonald, Greg Olson, TJ Hawkinson at number 10. And then it goes into Hooper, Walt Disley, creator of Mickey Mouse, Vernon Davis, OJ Howard, Gerald Everett, Eric Ebron. That awful Jared Cook, Fantasy Pros, has ranked at number 17. I wouldn't play him, but, you know, if you play in a 20-man league, I guess he's a starter. Jimmy Graham, Eifert, and the Lacostitute, Matt Lacoste. 
feel good all the way down to Vance McDonald this week. And then you're praying one of these guys catches a touchdown. Yeah. And it kind of feels like this might be one of the weeks where Jared Cook does it because everybody's finally on our team and hating Jared Cook and why did they drop him? And he's the worst person ever. And then Teddy comes in and gets him a touchdown against the Seahawks. That That is actually the reason that why Jared Cook ended up in worse place to begin with. And people are wondering about worse place, especially as it pertains to Jared Cook, is that when Jared Cook has like the smash matchup of the lifetime, like, oh my God, gotta play Jared Cook this week. He like legit scores zero points. Then everyone gets <laughs> off the bandwagon. He sucks for a week. And I'm like, ah, oh, screw this guy. And they cut him. And then he goes into like the worst matchup possible and scores 38 points when no one has played him. That's what Jared Cook is. Like, we know he's going to have three gigantic games this season, but can you pinpoint them? The answer is no. No, and it's 100%. It's the same exact thing I've always said about Jared Cook. Well, it's the one we agree on. We don't agree on Mark Ingram. We agree on Jared Cook. And the one at the time, he's not relevant anymore, but I was saying the same thing about Tavon Austin that one year when Tavon Austin was like, hey, what's his good six games? And everybody's super excited about that. I know we don't really stash tight ends, but Noah Fant seems to be doing more every single week. I like to see that. And at this point, unless the Jets do trade, or unless we get some news that Darnold's going to come back pick up fast. Herndon. I mean, no. I, like, I want to pick up Herndon. I just don't want to pick up Herndon with Luke Falk. No, I don't either. But with the Jets go, they have a bye week four, so he's still suspended week five. You won't need to get him until week six. So you could probably pick him up like before week five, and Darnold should be back week six, week seven, week eight. That he, he will, if Darnold is healthy and Herndon is playing, I think Herndon's a top 10 guy. I agree with you. And the, the interesting thing might be if we get good news on Darnold is to pick up Hernan before the bye week, because otherwise you're going to be competing with everybody who's thinking the same thing to buy, pick him up the week after. So Herndon, I would probably pick up first, but I do think that Noah Fant is, he's burgeoning into a top 15 guy with the potential for more because we know his pedigree and they don't really even ask him to block. He runs a ton of routes. No, because that's kind of who he is. The, the truth between the two is Fant and Hawkinson were both terrific prospects. Hawkinson went earlier because he's the more complete tight end. He's the better blocker. And the fact is actually kind of similar to what I said was to the Buccaneers, is that if yeah. you think of Noah Fant like Cameron Brait and Hawkinson like O.J. Howard, that's kind of a really good comparison, although Brait is falling back further than what Fant is. But Fant is almost kind of like in the Evan Ingram where you just don't really want him to block. He's a decent blocker if you really need him to. But his real value is that he's a terrific, he arguably the best tight end receiver in this past draft class. Uh, and we're finding this out with O.J. Howard now, too, because he is such a good blocker that Bruce Arians, because of this offensive line, is asking him to stay back and block. And I know that the Eagles' pass rush is a bit dinged up right now, but we're going to encounter this. We saw it last week with T.J. Hawkinson. He was asked to stay back and block for Matt Stafford a lot right. against the Chargers because he can actually block these guys. So that's going to create some discrepancies between, like, that's why you can't be like, oh, TJ Hawkinson. And that was the pensiveness that we had after week one. He's going to have the huge games when they ask him to be a receiver, but in games where he has to block. So maybe when like the full, like just go to footballoutsiders.com, look at pass rush DVOA. And if the team is ranked inside the top 10 in pass rush, probably not a week to play TJ Hawkinson. Cause they will have to ask him to block. Yeah. So that's might be why you can feel a little bit better about OJ Howard bouncing back this week because the giants don't have a pass rush and the giants are also miserable against tight end. So Maybe this is a bounce back, but my ugh, the biggest concern about that is I was looking at OJ Howard. He ran routes on fewer than 50% of his snaps. That's just, I mean, that's that's not even startable in fantasy, it, no matter what the name is. No, that's why I have him so low in these rankings. Like I wouldn't say drop him yet. Uh, you got to kind of let it play out a little bit, but I, I don't feel good about having him. That's why he's number 14. The problem is there's no good tight ends. 
No, there's not. And you got to hope that your league mates aren't watching this because if he does anything and scores a touchdown against the Giants, immediately sell him for the concerns we're talking about. Yeah, but people don't do that. If if Howard has three catches for 111 yards, which is like sort of his like MO, these big plays and two touchdowns, the people who own OJ Howard, oh, OJ Howard's back. I'd never trade him like that. That's how people think. <laughs> eh, that's fair. But, you know, this is, they're supposed to be listening to us for help, right? Yeah, but I mean, how much? I mean, you help. I don't really help. Let's talk defenses before we get out of here. Uh, Dallas, number one, you got a you got a disagreement with that? Uh, slight, yeah. So you go Patriots number one? I would go Patriots number one only because they just lost. Um, oh, just brain fart. The safety they just lost now oh, too. Jamal Adams, who like refuses to play. No, he's on the Jets. No, I, I, I thought about... you meant in the Patriots game. No, oh, no, no Xavier no, but, Woods. But, yeah. Yeah, wrestler. I, I I don't think that really makes that much of a difference to tell you the truth. <laughs> it I mean it doesn't because of the Dolphins, yes. but I'm just I'm just thinking for turnovers and the fact that the defense for the Cowboys hasn't looked that great with two terrific matchups for the first two games that they just don't have the weapons that the Patriots have for turnovers. I guess my reasoning for having the Cowboys over the Patriots, and this doesn't really matter because it's not like you're picking no. between the two, but like if you're playing on DraftKings, let's say, and you do want to pay up for defense on this slate. Miami is far more willing to actively throw the ball than the Jets are. Like it, maybe the Jets' offense looks a little bit different in you know game two with Falk, but like it's going to be running and checkdowns to Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell the entire time, with the occasional pass to Robbie Anderson. That's just not good for fantasy defense if the team is running eighty-five times a game. Where Miami's going to chuck it, and it doesn't matter if it's Rosen or Fitzpatrick, they're chucking picks. All right, fine, you sold me. All right, so that's it. There we go. If there's one thing I know, Jake, it's defenses. This is how I rate these things out. I got hey, top. I'm number five on the year on Fantasy Pros for, yeah, for yeah, defense. I'm not on. I, I might join Fantasy Pros in that competition just to rank defenses. That'll be the only thing that I try to do. And kickers. Uh, yeah, and kickers. Chicago, number three. Tennessee, number four. I actually really like this matchup, and you can go pick them up right now. Just love it for them on Thursday night. The Bills, the Niners, the Chargers, the Jags, the Texans, and the Panthers. The only change that I actually made is I had the Buccaneers originally at number 14. I started thinking about it a little bit more. I actually bumped them up one spot ahead of Jacksonville inside the top 10 to number eight in the rankings. I like how they set up in this matchup uh, against the Giants. So in between the Chargers and Jags will now be the Buccaneers. Outside of that, like you like I said, the Packers, the Vikings, the Rams, the Colts, the Saints, the Seahawks, even the Skins at home. I, I wouldn't want to do that. But if you play in a deep league, like starting anyone against Mitch Trubisky isn't the worst idea in the world. No, it's not. Would you drop the Ravens defense? Yeah. Would you? you yeah. What if like you had to make that one swap for this week? I'm just asking because that's a question I've got a lot of too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't tie myself to defense. You know me. I, I try to play. Like, <laughs> I, I would be okay like playing the Bengals defense against the Bills this week just because I think that they can generate a bunch I of I love, on the flip side, I love the Bills defense. For the same reason that I was saying, like, I actually thought the 49ers were a very sneaky defense last week. I just think that if you look at the issues with the Bengals is the offensive line and there's another team that's willing to pass and keep passing now they give up some giant plays but you can also get the turnovers the sacks and that's the biggest thing that you want yeah it's hard to tie yourself to a defense especially playing the Chiefs for one thing and I don't think the Ravens defense might be all that good to tell you the truth like they haven't really oh wow that they shut down Miami congratulations but like they didn't look <laughs> great against Arizona last week like they can limit plays but as a fantasy defense they weren't all that impressive and like if it's me, I'm not tying myself to the defense because I can go pick up Tennessee this week and play them against Minshew Walk. Like, I would do that. <laughs> if it's a deeper league and I have to pick up the Skins or have to pick up the Bengals, then I will and play those guys. Like, 
you just want to play against teams that are going to pass the ball or generate turnovers at an exceptionally high rate. So just stream bad defenses against bad quarterbacks. That works out really well to begin with, or to stream them against teams that you know that are going to drop back and pass and turn the ball over. Like that's all you're looking for from a fantasy defense. Fantasy defenses don't need to be good real life defenses. And soon as people jam that out of their heads, they're going to be fine. No, well, that's the truth about the Eagles from a few years ago, by the way, the Minshew walk. And that's, Oh, Minshew walk has gotten a probably the most praise of any nickname that the show really? has generated in some time. People love Minshew walk. All right. I guess I'm the odd one out on that one. Yeah. See, this is why that's why I'm telling you. I mean, you and I are just, we are not aligned as it comes to nicknaming people. No, I got you with the snoo snoo though. Yeah. That was like three years ago. You need a new one now. <laughs> I need to come up with a new one. Yeah. You keep you keep right. you keep coming up with some for the show, and we'll run them by me, and we'll workshop them. We'll be good we'll to work go. on one. Let's we'll yeah. see if we can figure one out. All right, guy. Okay. When do your rankings come out tonight? Midnight. Tonight, midnight, twelve one Eastern, AM. All right, that's on theathletic.com. You can listen to all Jake's podcasts up on iTunes as well, and find all of his work at theathletic.com, and follow him on Twitter at allinkid. You can follow me at the pme on twitter facebook and the instagrams where i have three separate giveaways going on each of them so you have to follow me to find out what they is all my rankings will be updated periodically throughout the week you can find them in the description or comment section of this video or podcast as you can find the link to the pat mayo experience DraftKings listeners league 15 dollars to enter go reserve your spot right now all right you smash the like button for this episode. Leave a DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me your favorite buy low player after week two of the fantasy football season. You will be in a draw for 20 DK bucks, as you will be as well if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, download the show on any of the podcast platforms, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, and something nice about the show. Winners will be announced on Monday's Pat Mayo Experience live, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel, on demand after the fact on those audio podcasts. I'm Pat Mayo. Good luck in week three. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!